Hey, it's wonderful to be back with you. And uh, we had such a, an amazing time yesterday. There's so many people touched by God. And we find it's the same everywhere, that people are hungry for God. People are wanting something. Don't know what they want. Can't always be sure why they can't get it, but are definitely wanting something from God. Uh, before I'm going to uh, speak, though, I promised a couple I would pray for them at the beginning of the service. So I'll do that. That was the worship leader and his wife. If they're here, otherwise we'll do it next service. She's not here. When's she going to be here then? Next service. Okay, that's fine. We'll do it then. Great. Okay, why don't you open your Bible then with me, and we're going to look into John chapter 16. And uh, one of the things we have uh, observed and we notice wherever we go is that people are wrestling with issues and don't really quite know what to do with it. So we either come to church and pray, go to cell group and read the Bible and do what we can, but there's this issues going on of things that we've experienced in life. And the question, and so I, I've, I was uh, raised as a Catholic, so we had quite a journey coming into Christ, and a very painful journey, because my wife was from Brethren, which is probably near Southern Baptist, I suppose. So we had quite some challenges, as you can imagine, coming together. And uh, the, the result was we had child born out of wedlock and adopted her out in secret. So our, our, the foundation of our relationship and marriage was, was with uh, tremendous pain and difficulty. And uh, what we observed as we journeyed along was so few people we approached had any idea what to do with it. They said, we'll just pray and come to church and do things. But it didn't kind of fix anything up inside, you know. We had difficulties and blocks and walls in our marriage, and no matter how much praying or reading the Bible, that didn't seem to address it. Until we began to, and we, we would ask pastors coming in, could you help us? Could you pray for us? And we could tell sometimes that it's like they didn't even hear us. And we, and we began to realize that so many people in ministry had problems themselves they didn't know what to do with. And so they kind of parked it all. And uh, so there was a generation of ministry we grew up with that didn't seem to know how to address the issues of the heart, whereas the Bible's very, very concerned about your heart and what is going on in your heart. In fact, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard carefully your heart because it's from your heart flow the issues or the streams or the borders of your life. Or putting it in a different way, your life will reflect what is going on in your heart, whether you're aware of it or not. And we don't seem to recognize that. So the issues of how do you deal with the heart, it wasn't until many years later when we shifted and planted the church we planted that we kind of got to crisis. We said, God, help us. We'll go anywhere. Just help us find some keys. And God answered that prayer and opened up some keys. And, and so we, everywhere we go, we try to help people uh, get breakthroughs in their personal life. Because we may know what our purpose is, we may have a vision for it and a plan to get there, but there's a work in the life must be done, or eventually the very purpose, we can't sustain it because of what's going on in our personal life. Now notice what Jesus said. We're going to look at a couple of things Jesus said, and I want to take you to an Old Testament passage, and I want to help you to, to, to see this process of how you handle things that happen in your life. Notice what Jesus says in John chapter 16, and he says in uh, uh, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
So Jesus was speaking some things. He was speaking in the context of his last message to the, 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 uh, his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit a comforter and the Holy Spirit would be with them. And so he said, uh, notice this, he said, in me, you will have peace. So what he's promising is no matter what we face in life, no matter what distressing circumstance, no matter what we go through, there is a place in relationship and intimacy with him where our heart can be at peace. And this is not true for very many people. Most people I know live, we were in a church in Australia, a very big church, one of the leading churches, had an altar call, and guess what the, the top two needs that came up among this younger generation of people were this, number one, depression, and number two, anxiety. Uh, the numbers of people we prayed around that area were just astonishing. Now that's not peace. That means somehow you've got large numbers of believers who are facing experiences in life and they can't find a place of rest or peace. They don't know what to do to achieve that. And uh, Jesus said, in me, you'll have peace. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. That word means pressure, uh, stresses, uh, uh, hardships or difficulties. He said, in the world we live in, and especially being a follower of Christ, you will face pressures. Some will come just because you live in the world. Some will come because you're seeking to advance the gospel. You're going to handle and face pressures. And he said, but be of good cheer. Or in other words, have courage to face these things because I have overcome them. And that word is the word in, in, in Greek, nikeo. We get Nike to overcome and completely beat these things. So what Jesus is saying is I want you to have no illusion that living in life, you're going to face a lot of pressures and stresses and difficulties, but you can have a place of rest in your life in the middle of the storm Amen. that comes out of connection with me. And he said, not only that, I will give you the ability, if you'll handle things courageously, to get the victory in them. That's a great promise, isn't it? That's a great promise. And yet the reality is, I go, we go to church after church and we would have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come forward because they just don't know how to get a hold of that. And uh, let me just share with you another scripture. We're going to look at an Old Testament passage, and I want to give you just some keys of how you can walk through things. In, so Luke chapter 4, notice what Jesus said, and he's talking again about the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 4. We're not going to look at just a little part of it. He has anointed me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, Notice this one here, to heal the brokenhearted. So one work of the Holy Spirit is to heal broken hearts. When you face stresses and pressures, disappointments, griefs, when the things you've dreamed about don't take place, when there's difficulties in your family, when uh, relationships break up and you can't understand how that's happened, when you face things that break your heart and create distress and turmoil, he said, nevertheless, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to heal that broken heart. And the challenge then is, well, how on earth does that happen? Now, when, when someone has been injured physically, the injuries are obvious. The broken arm, cuts, uh, we can see them very in, uh, easily. But when people are injured internally, when their heart is broken and damaged, we don't see the damage so easily because that person may be sitting next to you, smiling and lifting their hands and praising Jesus. But when they walk out, they've got this heaviness and sadness because there's a conflict they can't resolve. There's an issue they can't get to, to get to deal with. And so it is right to praise the Lord, but God wants us also to find a place 
of release and rest in him. And so here's the difficulty. Without bringing God into the painful situations of our life, what we tend to do is try and control our life, our emotions and feelings, and try and control the relationships and things that are happening around us to keep our life safe. And so in the end, we find ourselves living a life when we're on the defensive, trying to control life, rather than being able to relax and journey with him and find a place of rest and peace, which is what he wants for us. Holy Ghost, interesting, the dove settles where there's peace. So you want the Holy Ghost settling on your life, let him come into the places where there's a need. And Jesus said, that's his work. It's to come there and bring healing and restoration. So I want to just talk with you a little bit about that. Notice the next verse, he says, proclaim liberty to the captives. What he's saying is that where there are broken hearts, there will be demonic spirits. So sometimes the reasons people cannot get free is one, they're trying to control pain instead of letting the Holy Ghost into it. And two, uh, because they've uh, suffered and gone through difficulties in life and reacted to it, demonic spirits have seized the opportunity to come in and create pressure and stress and turmoil and increase it. So demons aren't the cause of our problem primarily. The decisions we make, the actions we take, what happens to us in life, these are the cause of many conflicts. Demons make them worse and aggravate them. And when a spirit or an evil spirit gets in a person's life, two things. One is you don't know it's there usually because they conceal themselves. Two, they increase the intensity of the problem and create a sense of despair, I can't get free. And that's what's called a stronghold demonically empowered stronghold. And people live like this everywhere we go. We find people living this way. So I want to just share with you some keys on how you might break free of that. And uh, if there are, uh, we're going to look in Psalm 84. If a person's got an unresolved issue in their life, it'll always come out. You've got something going on in your heart, it's going to flow out. And it'll flow out in a number of ways. It'll flow out on your countenance. You can see, you just look at some people. I, I love to look at people's faces. And because your face gives you all away. You, you, know, you know, if there's joy in the Lord, it shows on your countenance. So you start to make it a, 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 I just look around. Sometimes I walk down the street, just look at people, just look at their countenance and read their countenance. Because what's in the heart shows on the countenance, shows in the eyes. Uh, it also comes out in the words. You listen to someone for a while, you're going to find out there's sadness, bitterness, turmoil. It's going to come out of their mouth. They're going to snap. They're going to, they'll bite, you know. All that kind of stuff goes on, you know, often in the car park on the way into church, you know. <laughs> and they come, oh, praise the Lord, you know. We're going to <laughs> All those sort of things go on. It'll always find a way out. And uh, it'll find, there's different ways these things find their way out, but usually it comes uh, in, the, in the form of reactions. When people, you get something that triggers a reaction. I was just speaking to one brother yesterday, and, and as I began to speak, and he talked with me, suddenly tears are flooding. It's triggered off a deeply painful situation in his life. So th this is, there's always, whatever's in your heart will flow out into life. And, uh, and tonight what I want to do is I want to share just about a, uh, one of the most important principles that can uh, bring about shifts in your life, I want to talk about honoring your parents. And uh, we're going to deal with that, and I'm going to show you some people in the Bible, a particular two people, one who broke through and came into great victory, the other one who refused to deal with the issue of dishonor and how it tragically disempowered and affected their life. It's one of the key principles and the promise that God makes associated with it. So 
another way that we see sometimes I found that people are struggling with sicknesses and infirmities because they've not dealt with hard things. I was with a uh, young man, prayed for a young man in Singapore, and uh, he had a uh, he had a shoulder pain. He got a word in on it. He had a pain in his shoulder. But when I pr- went to pray for him, the Lord said he's got a deep bitterness against his father. And I asked him, "How do you get on with your dad?" And he said, "Oh, fine. I love my dad." And uh, I thought, "Whoa, did I get this wrong, Lord?" And I, sa- I said, "Isn't it true he's away a lot on business?" He said, "That's right." Isn't it true that every time you've really wanted him to be there, he hasn't been there for you? So God was giving me some words of knowledge. He said, that's right. And I said, isn't it true you've been angry and bitter against him because he's not been there when you wanted him like other dads have been? And he said, it's true. And he repented of his bitterness and forgave his father. And then when I prayed for him, a spirit of infirmity left him and the pain immediately was released out of his body. Then he, it is more, because then he said, actually, I didn't just have pain in my shoulder. I had pain in almost every joint in my body and all of it is gone. I said, that's wonderful. Then he said, there's more. I've just been to the doctor this week, and he said, my back was freezing up. By 40, I would not be able to bend. And they had no idea why. But it was a spirit of infirmity that had come in because he'd been hurt in relationships, had harbored bitterness, and the spirit of infirmity sat in his life and afflicted his life. He needed to be delivered and set free. I want you to go with me. We're going to look in Psalm 84 and in verse, chapter, in verse 5. Are we ready? Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, or strength is in the Lord, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Barca, they make it a spring or a well. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God, in Zion. Now, if we could just open that scripture up, I want to just talk. It's talking about a particular valley. It's called the Valley of Baca, and the word Baca means weeping. There are in the Bible a whole number of valleys that the Bible talks about. Valleys were usually places of battles and conflicts. There was a valley of Achor, a valley of trouble. So if you're going through trouble, you're in the valley of Achor. There was a valley of dry bones where uh, people were disconnected and had lost hope. So if you're disconnected and lost hope, you're in the valley of dry bones. There was a valley of the shadow of death where there was risk and danger of being overwhelmed and, and losing life. There was a valley of Sorek, which was a place where Samson was defeated uh, internally in his relationship. He committed uh, sexual sin with uh, Delilah. And then there's a valley called the Valley of Rephaim, which is the Valley of Giants. So you notice the number of valleys the Bible talks about? There God be one that's your valley. <laughs> and maybe there's one of those things you say, oh, that's where I am right now. So the Bible uses picture language to describe life. Yeah. So if you're facing some problem that seems insurmountable, you're in the valley of Rephaim, the valley of giants. But it's also the place where David broke through and got a great victory. So the Bible talks about valleys, but here, notice what it says. It's never God's intention you stay in a valley. Valley, we're meant to pass through in life. So notice it says, Blessed the man whose strength is in the Lord, who passing through the valley of weeping. David in Psalm 23 said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, So valleys or painful experiences are inevitable. They happen to all of us. There's no one free. You might see a pastor up on the front there and he's real happy on Sunday. You no idea what he's facing the rest of the week. 
You don't know what family pressures, what personal pressures, what stresses a ministry, but have learned how to stand at the right time and bring God to people. But we still, all of us, have to face pressures and stresses in life. We grew a family of seven kids. And, uh, and uh, you can't believe the stresses and pressures, <laughs> especially if they were teenagers. I think we had every appliance possible come to our house. I clearly remember the police coming <laughs> and the fire brigade <laughs> and the ambulance. And I think if there, was a, if there was an appliance, it came at some point. You know, our place was always a center of activity of some kind. And uh, so... So we have these experiences in life. And notice what it talks there. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. God wants us to pass through the valley. He does not want you stuck in your valley. So here's a question. Why is it people get stuck in valleys in their life? Why is it that some people, years after a divorce, are still in pain? Why is it some people, years after they've lost a close friend, never have got moved on. It's like they've just stopped there. Now, you know, people in all good intentions say, oh, you've got to move on, just move on. Yeah, yeah, but you don't move on if you don't resolve stuff. It just gets buried and it stays alive. And so we, we, we've experienced in our own lives and many people we meet in church that they've had painful experiences. They tried to move on by just pushing it under, but they never moved on. It was like it was always there and eroding their life. You ever think, uh, just reading the paper a little while ago about a young man that was serving in a shop and the, he was held up by an armed uh, um, guy and robbed the shop. Now, he wasn't hurt or injured, but he was traumatized. And months later, he still can't go back to work. And if you say, well, why don't you move on? Well, that's great. That's a male way of saying, just forget it's there and just pretend it's not there and move on. But he couldn't move on. He was traumatized. What he needed was to resolve the valley of trauma that he was sitting in. And we need to resolve things, and that's what Jesus' plan is, not just push him under and try to move on. In the idea? Okay then. So, uh, blessed is the man whose strength, whose heart is set on the process or journey, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So let me just give you a few keys in here. The first one I want to look at is, why is it people get stuck? Here's a few reasons. Number one, they just deny how hurt they are. They minimize that this really hurt me some. Yeah. So I say, oh, it's nothing. I'll move on. But deep inside, there's a pain, and it's real, and it's stuck there, and it shows over and over and over and over again whenever it gets triggered off. So one way, so one way is to deny, another way is just to minimize. Another way people get stuck in the valley is they blame someone else for why they're feeling like they are. Well, you made me this way. You hurt me. You make me feel so bad. Oh, you make me feel so bad. Now, when you get that kind of language, that's the language of a victim, that keeps you stuck in the valley because you're not taking any responsibility. Right. So you've got to avoid the language of blame. Oh, you made me. You, you, it's your fault. Well, I'm sorry if it's your fault, then I can't, I'm powerless. I'm a victim. All I can do is feel sorry for myself, but I can't move on or change. So those are some reasons. Another reason that people get stuck in the valley is they just make inner vows. Well, I'll never let any man do that to me. I'll never let any woman treat me like that again. And now they've just buried the pain and locked it in hardness with an inner vow. That's true. See? So uh, sometimes people get stuck with deep bitterness in their heart. 
And they, they make bitter judgments. Well, you know, man, they'll always treat you like this. Or the, the government will always do this, you know. And they get stuck with bitterness in the heart. And when you get these things and you don't resolve them, you, you actually fall out of the grace of God and can't flow with God. You'll always have this thing keep coming up. And uh, it seems to come up and come up and come up. I, I prayed for a young woman, and uh, she was wanting to get married to this young guy. And I said, tell me about him. And she said, well, I had a relationship with him for a while. We slept together and lived together. And then I broke up with him and then went out with this other guy and got pregnant to him. And I've come back. Now, this guy wants to, uh, to marry me. And I said, oh, really? Okay, it doesn't sound very good to me. I said, uh, tell me, why did you break up with him in the first place? She said, well, he was unfaithful to me. I said, how many times? She said, oh, three different women. I said, well, that was good that you broke up with him. That was a smart move because he's demonstrating what he's like. I said, has he become a, is he a Christian? No. Did he, he hasn't become a Christian. No. I said, well, he's going to produce the same behavior. Why would he be any different now? Just because you're looking pretty and he thinks he can come back to you. No, 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 no. I said, he hasn't changed. And I said, but why, why would you be pursuing this relationship? Tell me about your father and how you got on with your dad. She said, I don't see my dad. I said, why is that? She said, well, our, our family broke up when I was a teenager. I said, really? I said, do you mind if I ask why it broke up? She said, oh, my dad was unfaithful. Oh, really? How many times? She said, three times. I said, and you don't talk with him anymore. I said, she said, that's right. I said, well, don't you realize you've never moved out of that valley experience that you had as a teenager? It wasn't your fault what your dad did but it's affected you dramatically and you have harbored bitterness and judgments in your heart, you've got this thing just replaying in your life and you're being attracted to someone who's just like your dad. I see, this is a disaster waiting to happen. Say no, get on with the job of dealing with stuff in your life or you'll attract it in. It'll just keep reproducing. I can share story after story of people who just reproduced in their current family what they had never resolved in their family life growing up. That's true. We want to deal with, talk a bit about some of that tonight. Okay, so let's just look at the steps in here because some really good, interesting steps in here. Number one, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. That's the word strength to overcome. Strength to overcome. So here's, here's some of the essential keys. Number one, we need to turn to the Lord to help us. You say well, that, that word strength to overcome means I'm leaning into God to help me to deal with this thing. Now, the option to that is you just try and control the pain and don't talk about it. So if I'm going to lean into God, I've got to stop trying to control my life, control the pain. I've got to come to him and let my pain be known to him. Amen. Got to bring things out into the light with him. So, so the first thing is need to turn to the Lord. Blessed is the man whose strength or ability to overcome is found by leaning into God and trusting him, not by trying to just get on with life, number one. Number two, we need to actually face the truth. It says, it says notice what it says, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. A, a pilgrimage is a journey to a destination. Now, I've noticed in churches that people love to be prayed for, but that's, and that's a wonderful thing. But here's what people tend to want to do. They want to come in an altar call and have someone fix my life. You pray for me, fix it. You know, and, and they're expecting, you know, I've had someone come up and they had all these sexual relationships over years and brokenness and stuff, and they, they expect one prayer is going to fix it. Come on, get over it. It's not going to fit fixed like that. Now, prayer 
break, can break bondages, can do tremendous things, get the anointing God flowing, massive, deli- massive deliverance and release, a lot of breakthrough can come, but you still got to own your life and the journey forward. And there's a way of processing stuff. And so uh, it says, in whose heart uh, is the ways of pilgrimage. Or in other words, yeah. very simply it's saying, embrace the process of growing. Because whatever's happened in your life, God can use it to grow you. Yeah. His plan is to conform us to become like Christ. Well, Jesus, very forgiving person, how on earth would you learn to be a forgiving person except someone offends you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I never thought of that. Uh-huh. And, and how would you learn to become a very patient person unless you had tribulation? So when you're praying, God, give me more patience, you say, okay, I'm bringing some tribulation along. It's your learning curve. God, I want to be more forgiving person. Okay, I'm bringing some people along, just going to fend you out of your mind. You're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just can't expect you to lay hands on me and it's there. You know, no, no, no. These things develop in your life as you yield to the spirit instead of reacting in your flesh. And so God brought you into church and praise God, there's wonderful people there, but there's just some that just rub you up the wrong way. You know, people come just to think they're all going to be wonderful. And then it turns out they're just sinners like everyone else and got all this stuff in the life. And, and before you know it, there's friction and conflicts. And, turn, and God's teaching you grace. How to be gracious. How to be kind and tenderhearted. See, these are things that you grow and you learn. So embrace the process of growth. And, and you do that by, by this kind of thing. What happened to me? Ask these kind of questions. What happened to me and how did it affect me? And get honest. Get honest. What happened to me? You know, what, what happened? How, how, how did it affect me? How did I feel about it? And then how did I respond? Now you just ask those questions. I ask those to people all the time. Well, what happened? Tell what happened. Well, how did it affect you? How did you feel about that? And they try to minimize it. You say, no, no, how'd you feel about that? And then they start talking. They say, well, how'd you cope with that? Well, I just did this. You know? And then you start to find that there's these reactions. And those are the things that you've got to get out in the open before God. And, uh, and because if you don't get them out, you, you, you don't actually resolve things. So I found you know, every, every person who's in a church knows you should forgive. I've got to forgive. And, you know, you come and someone, you know, you tell the story and, someone, and someone's done this thing to you and really hurt you, whatever. And they say, we've well, got to forgive, brother. got to forgive. The Bible says, forgive. And of course, you know that. We say, forgive. I feel like punching you right now. <laughs> you haven't even nerd half of the pain I'm in. So often we try to come to the step of forgiving before actually acknowledging how hurt we've been. I'm answering much more, well, how did this thing affect you? And sometimes people need to have their story heard for a little bit. And it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel so hurt and upset about it. But now it's time for you to do something with that. And the way you deal with it is you actually acknowledge the hurt and then release the forgiveness. And forgiveness is a choice, but it needs to be preceded by acknowledging it was pain. Don't say, oh, it was nothing. When I hear someone say, oh, it was nothing, I've forgiven it. I know, one, it was something, and two, they didn't forgive it. <laughs> they just kind of covered it, and it has a way of coming back up because they avoid, people avoid one another and all that kind of stuff. So we need to actually just bring things out. So grieve your loss. Notice the valley of sorrows. Sometimes you just need to grieve your loss. People are not always that easy at grieving. 
because we kind of conceal our emotions. But Jesus openly wept over the death of Lazarus. He, the Bible says strong crying and tears as he prayed. Jesus was a very emotional person. He had no problem expressing feelings. Sometimes the best thing you can do is put on some worship music and sit down and just weep in the presence of the Lord and become vulnerable and say, I'm really hurt by this. And you know, that can really bring great freedom inside instead of bearing all the stuff. And you still got a journey on, but that's part of the journey on, grieving your loss. Then there's a step of, do I need to repent of anything? Have I got a part in this thing that I've, I've done wrong? I need to actually turn and ask God to forgive me. God, I've just been harboring anger for so long. Please forgive me. Is there something I need to turn from? Is there someone I need to forgive and release? So there's a journey through life's difficulties, and it always follows a similar kind of pattern. You've got to face up to what has happened, how I felt, how it's affected me, how I've reacted. Now I've got a journey. And the journeying part depends on the grace of God. One, I need to be willing to just grieve. Sometimes good music will trigger your grief and you can just sit and let the tears go. Then I need to, be to make a decision. I'm going to release the person and bless them. And you only know you've come from death to life when you can start to bless people. So I found one of the things that helps when you release forgiveness to people is for a few days afterwards, when you pray, begin to, look, begin to see them in your imagination, put your arms out and hug them and say, God, I just bless this person. You can't pray that way unless your heart is free. And in praying that way, your heart becomes free because you see people with compassion rather than with bitterness and anger. There's a journey out of troubles. There's a journey out of difficulties. Sometimes the person we're angry with is God. You know, recently, uh, we, you know, in ministry, you have some weird things happen. You know, on one weekend, I had to stand and preach a faith message. Night before, we'd had a baby just born into the family, but the day before, we'd just buried a baby. And you kind of inside have all of these things where do I laugh, cry, shout, cheer? You've got to pull all those things apart that we just needed to have time to grieve over the loss of a grandchild then to celebrate a new one, and then to represent ourselves to God and actually come out the other side, able to just celebrate and walk in freedom. There, these things just don't go smoothly or easily. Getting the idea? It's, it, and, and so the church needs to understand that. So sometimes if we've got bondages in our heart, we've just made bitter vows or whatever, we've got to repent of those things. Say, God, forgive me. I'm just not willing to hold those things in my heart anymore. Notice it says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart takes hold of or is set on the process and they pass through the valley of sorrows and make it a well. So God's desire is whatever you go through, you will make it into a well. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, we can comfort others or we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. See? So now it says, now the God of all comfort you, comfort you in all your tribulation so that you may be able to comfort others in their distress with the comfort you have received. Amen. In other words, you've got to realize the painful situation you've gone through, one, God's going to use it to grow you. Two, he's going to use you to minister to someone in that same area. 
because you have a life experience where God broke through. You have a testimony of God helping you. And so someone there needs to hear how you broke through. Someone needs to hear that this God you serve is real and that when life's tragedies come, they come to Christians as well as non-Christians, but we can handle it differently because we can come and receive from him comfort in the time of difficulty. When my daughter's uh, uh, child uh, uh, died, I I went to Indonesia and uh, it was a very sad, very distressing thing to go there. But I said to her, I said, honey, just at the moment when we're, we're there and, and the casket's going for cremation because they're going to bring the remains back to New Zealand, I said, I want you to look to Jesus. And, you know, I, I prayed for her. She got a massive breakthrough right there at that very point, just in the crematorium. And then as she looked, she saw her Jesus take her child into heaven. She actually had a vivid picture of it. And, that, and I said, so she told me about that after I said, honey, when you're worshiping the Lord and you're grieving, go back and let him show you more. And so again, he took her and showed her more and showed her the child and showed her the gifts in the child. So she had comfort that came directly from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And of course, one of the dilemmas I had was when you go to minister, you've got to park all your own stuff while you help everyone else through their grief. So, of course, I've got all my stuff buried. You know, I'm still in the valley of weeping. I didn't know it. And, uh, you know, you just get on. Guys don't always know. And, uh, but I'm sitting watching TV one day, and there's a song gets played, Amazing Grace. And the last time I heard that song was in a little service in her home when someone sang Amazing Grace. And I'm just sitting there, and they sang Amazing Grace. I just broke down and wept. And, and, and I realized I haven't grieved. I haven't let go. I'm still in the valley of Barker. And so... I began to pray and asked, I just began to weep first, let it all go. And then, I, I, yeah, and then over a little bit of time saying, God, I need you to touch me. And I was in a meeting and you never know when God will break through for you. But I was in a meeting one day in Singapore and uh, I was teaching people how to encounter God. And what happened was this, uh, I got everyone in this worship team, we're all having an encounter. God. I thought, well, I should be doing the same. You know, it's not just my lead people. I need to go there too. So I just closed my eyes and I just reached out to Jesus like that. And suddenly I get this. Now, I wasn't expecting this. I just did not expect. But this is what happened. I just was immediately in a place, and I saw a young man, a young woman, they're in their 30s, and they both said to me, hello, Dad. And I looked, and I got a shock when I heard that, and it was a son and a daughter we'd miscarried years ago, about 30 years ago. And they both smiled at me, and I could see see exactly what they're like. I knew exactly who they were. I was quite shocked. I just, ha. Huh. And they said, we've got so many things we'd love to tell you of what we've been learning since we've been here. I thought, whoa. Then I, and, and I just sort of, you just sort of are observing it while it's all happening. And then suddenly I, I saw Jesus walk by and he's holding the grandchild we just lost. And I just, I could feel the tears just coming. I'm just in this place of encountering God. And then I looked over and I saw this other little child. I thought, who's that? And they said, hello, granddad. And I realized it was a grandchild we lost. And I was quite stunned by this. And I'm just sort of there in this place. And then Jesus came alongside and began to talk to me about a whole new area of ministry he wanted us to move into. Now, you understand, I'm completely free of the grief of the loss. But I've got an experience of the comfort of God that I can bring blessing to others. 
So whatever valley you are walking through, whatever place of weeping, God wants to turn you to make it a well. It's not he who will make it a well. It becomes a well when you respond to God and encounter him and get free. Then you have made a well because you trusted and put your strength in the Lord. And the steps are really quite simple. Blessed is a man who turns or strength. The ability to overcome is not found in trying to control it, bury it, and cover it, but is found in dynamically reaching out and trusting God to help them. That involves embracing the process of change. And the process of change is not easy because it requires first you face what's happened and admit how it's affected you and the pain. And then let it come out. And there's always weeping when it comes out. It can go on for a little while too. But then there's a resolving. Is there any part I need to deal with? Anything I need to repent of? Anyone I need to forgive? Any inner vows I've made I need to let go? Now, Lord, I just receive your comfort. And we need to wait and expect God to give us a word or show us something, put a peace in our heart. Then it says, they make it a well. It says, the rain. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit fills the pools with refreshing. And it says, notice this says, they go from strength to strength. See, people say, well, aren't we strong in the Lord? Well, actually, life's circumstances are there to help us become strong in in the Lord. And I have seen people become incredibly strong, have walked through difficulties like you can, you think, man, how do you not go crazy in all of that? But they found the Lord in the middle of it. Sometimes it's only the valley of sorrow that a person turns to the Lord. For many, it's in the valley of sorrow that they become sweet and gracious and kind and forgiving and have something in their life to give to others. Blessed is the man who strengthens in the Lord, who passing through the valley of Barker makes it a well. The rain also fills the pools. They go from strength to strength. Everyone experiencing God in those places. What an amazing thing. Jesus said, you know my peace I leave with you. Because in the world you will have tribulation. But act courageously. It takes courage to face stuff. It takes courage to face an incident that happened in your past that you're ashamed of. It takes courage to face a massive failure. It takes courage to face a crisis that's going on. It takes courage to get into life and face it and bring God into it. Be courageous. Face whatever it is that you have to face and invite Christ to come and help you deal with the pain, the grief, and the sorrow and come out a sweeter, gracious person who carries the presence of God. You know, in the midst of uh, one of the deepest pains I had in my life was the deep feeling of being rejected and, and, and being unloved and being alone. And it, there were many contributing factors, not the least being a premature baby, being uh, separated for such a long period of time, uh, firstly after birth, and then secondly, my mum got TB. And so I suffered and struggled all my life with disconnection in major ways. But one of the things that God really helped me was this. I I took Psalm 23 and began to meditate and embrace it as being the truth that God is my friend. And you know what happened was, one day I encountered the Lord in it and experienced his friendship. And that has become a well for me in my life ever since. Everything that Joy and I have in ministry came pretty well out of valleys that we walked into, found the Lord, and came out the other side from strength to strength. 
Why don't you just close our eyes right now, shall we? Lord, I just thank you for each person here today. I thank you, Lord, that everyone has their story and their journey.